You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. And here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, doll. Welcome to the Felony Inc. podcast, live from downtown Portland, Oregon, in the great Pacific Northwest. I'm your host, Dave Dahl, a four-time loser who finally found a way to win. I replaced what was becoming a habit of incarceration with education, medication, and eventually an honest occupation, the creation of Dave's Killer Bread. But maybe you remember me as your drug dealer back in the previous century and still owe me money. If so, you can make it right by going on iTunes and leaving us a favorable review. We broadcast live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, and you can listen to previously recorded podcasts at your leisure on the podcast app. With me in the studio, as usual, is everybody's favorite prick, Lad Justison. Lad, besides being generally a pain in the ass, what the hell have you been up to? Um, A pain in the ass? That's what I've been up to. But you know what? Move on. Hey, some cool things are happening right now. A lot of things are happening. First of all... We are going to be playing in Mitchell, Oregon tonight, the big Friday That's night. That's for your live listeners. Headliners. So anybody listening out there in the, over in the eastern Oregon, you guys got nothing to do tonight, come over to little Mitchell, Oregon. We're going to be the headliners tonight. We'll probably start playing around 9 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, you might miss it if you uh, if you're driving by it. So keep your eyes open. Mitchell's a really small place, but there'll be a lot of people there. And another thing, Dave. I mean, I can't believe that you have been bestowed the honor to be on the board of directors for Bridges to Change. Monta, our guest last week, has asked you uh, to join their team. Yeah, I'm really honored to do this. Um, it totally fits the vision I have, which is basically to see innumerable people um, overcome their circumstances, whether it be ex-felon, um, whether it be uh, you know homelessness, drug addict, drug addiction, and uh, and uh, mental illness, pretty much I've done all those. Um, if you can do that, uh, you know I want to see people do that, and Bridges to Change is doing that, is making that happen. I think I can help them make it happen in a bigger way. That's my hope, and uh, it doesn't mean I'm not still working with organizations like Central City Concern. I hope that Central City can work with Bridges to Change and um, and really kick ass. Well, you know, I, I know that uh, housing for ex-felons, Dave, has been it's been a, it's a heartfelt thing for you because I know um, I moved up here with you in 2008 and uh, you were living in a little two-bedroom apartment because Dave, president of Dave's Kill of Bread, <laughs> couldn't get a decent place to, to live because yeah. of your record. Yeah, I was automatically um, excluded from... A lot of, uh, for most places. Now, you could find a private person who was willing to um, take a chance on you, and that's what we did. That's what Lad and I were able to do, and we were just fine. Uh, but there's, it's even worse now. 
there's more people, there's more need and less availability. So supply and demand is crazy. I, I, the average person can't, it's harder for them to get a place to live because of the cost of it now. Uh, Portland is growing like crazy. And so there's got to be alternatives and options. We're going we're gonna to explore all those. Um, well, we're congratulations. We're going to make a better city. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, man. Wow, I've never heard such nice words out of you before. Oh, you owe me money. <laughs> so, okay, that's enough. Is there anything else you got to say? No, I'm, I'm just looking forward to tonight. I, I know we're going to have a good time over there. And uh, um, I think uh, I, I contacted an old friend of mine um, who uh, plays bass and is the manager for Billy Bob Thornton's Oh, band. what's he going to do? He's gonna come. Well, they're going to be here real soon. So I thought maybe uh, we could go over there and see him. And I asked him if they had anybody to open up their show. And so he's checking into that for us to see if maybe we can open up for the Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be great. So he can open up for us. What are you talking about? Um, oh, yeah, that's right. That's true. So now there's one other thing I want to say before we get to our, our mm-hmm. great guest here. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to this guy. But... First, I want to say, um, anybody who's curious about the Killer Granddaddies, our band, can go to the Killer Granddaddies page uh, on Facebook, and you can also go to a Facebook page that we now have for um, for this show, the Felony Inc. Facebook page. Uh, we're just getting that going. Uh, also, you can visit my website, davedahl360.com, to see what the hell I'm up to. Now we can finally get this going, huh? Wow, this has been quite a little prelude today. What do you think, lad? Uh, Why don't you introduce our guest? I can do that. All right, so uh, our guest today is Daniel Bellenberg. 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 Yep. Bellenberg, who runs Business in a Box at Santa Am Correctional Institution in Salem, Oregon. The stated mission of Business in a Box is to lower recidivism. Recidivism. Recidivism, did I say it right? That time I think you got it Okay, bye. By providing an entrepreneurial education and experience, this program has helped the participants to think outside the box and break out of the institutional mentality. They are helping to bridge the gap between staff and adults in custody and create a healing environment. Yeah, I'm sorry about the introduction, but uh, (laughs) welcome to the Felony Inc. podcast, Daniel. Gutenberg. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Right on. Okay. Well, you know what? You know what's interesting? I'm going to give you a little bit of background. The my my uh, experience in prison. Uh, I've had I've known good corrections officers, and I've known bad ones, and I've known people that just people. You know, I mean, in general, I just I finally got to the point where I saw them as just people. Um, and when I had my epiphany in prison, which was, hey, I forgave myself, I forgave my dad, I started forgiving, I started forgetting, moving on, and being humble and accepting and, and just a better person. Well, I started looking at corrections officers differently, too. Uh, when they came to work, some of them would come to work with just, seemingly with a stated mission, unstated mission of just fucking, fucking your day up, right? I, I, I never could get that, but... Eventually, I realized that they were must have been having some struggles in their life, and they need. I, I started having compassion for them instead. It was just such a better feeling than hate and uh, you know uh, whatever anxiety that I felt. And 
you know, I'm hoping, I still hope those guys figured it out at some point. But I think you're a guy who figured it out a long time ago. I figured right? it out, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the the story of how uh, Business in a Box came together, can you uh, give us your basic uh, rundown on how that worked? Yeah, uh, we'll start with, uh, you know, with a little background. I came to corrections from the private sector in 2002. And uh, it started uh, really with the economy crash, and um, and I had recognized that my own standard of living was going up when the economy was going up, and going down when the economy was going down. I worked construction cabinets, uh, building houses, owned my own business, and then uh, the economy crashed. And you know, the next day I had a job driving a dump truck, and my wife said, "Why don't you figure out what you want to be when you grow up?" And I said, "Okay." <laughs> is dump truck a bad thing? I uh, yeah, I thought it was cool, man. It's got <laughs> I would have been okay got, for a while. Got big tires, right? Yeah. So uh, anybody behind you gets too close, you can just dump a load <laughs> on them, right? There you go. So, um, but uh, that doesn't seem like the the last thing you were gonna the, the thing you were gonna stick right. With. So at the time, my buddy uh, worked at the pen, and he said you should come for a tour. And I said I'm not going to prison on either side ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he kept on, and my first. Uh, my first visit at Oregon State Penitentiary was a seven-hour tour, and it wasn't what I thought it would be. You know, there was a lot of respect uh, from both sides, and then I started studying the history, and so I applied with the state and the county at the same time, and I toured uh, OSCI and I toured the Marion County Jail, and I was hired pretty quickly from the time I applied and uh, went through the Basic Corrections Academy. Was an officer at Mill Creek for three years. And, you know, the first thing they teach you is treat everybody the same. And uh, treat them like a number, not a name. We don't want favorites. And don't do for one what you can't do for all 14,000 because we don't want pets. And that's pretty easy to do. You know, you come it's kind to, of a socialist mentality. You, it is. You come to work, you treat everybody the same, and uh, you try to be fair, firm, and consistent, and you go home at the end of the day. And um, about three years into it, I had an opportunity to come into the program side of things and be the work crew coordinator for Sandy M and Mill Creek. And uh, there was a, re- a realignment, so now Sandy M and Oregon State Penitentiary minimum. And we run uh, a number of crews in the community and uh, work about 25% of our population outside the fence. They come home every day. And we try to help other public agencies stretch their budgetary dollar. About three years ago, a guy named Jonathan Blanco came to us from uh, the pen, and he uh, was doing a one-year rotation on a program called LEAP, uh, L-E-A-P, which stands for Learning Entrepreneurship uh, Through the Arts and Production. And that was a new program for DOC. It was modeled after the OSP Hobby Shop, and Jonathan and I spent a few hours in my office talking, and I said, so that doesn't relate with my job ever, but it is the coolest thing I've ever heard in the world. And so we gathered up a few of the fellas, and we kicked around some ideas, and Business in a Box was born. And the bosses uh, liked the idea of me working harder, so they said yes. <laughs> and uh, that was uh, two, just over two years ago now. So. The fellas, when you say the fellas, who, uh, we, that used to be uh, <laughs> the guys we hung out with, the guys that were, we thought were cool. Right, yeah. So that would be uh, uh, guys in prison or, or guys, uh, you know, staff? So the fellas to me are uh, a common word for them is inmates. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nice word now from our director is adults in custody. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two kinds of inmates. Uh, there are those that have figured it out and those are that are trying to figure it out. So I don't spend a lot of time with those who haven't figured it out. Uh, Do you think they're all trying to? 
the ones that aren't that haven't figured it out well i i think deep down they all want to yeah but it's a stretch yeah. for some of them and i you stuck, know, in their, a, stuck in their thoughts thought i'm process. a great babysitter yeah. and, and it's a lot of fun yeah but i would rather work on potential than past right so let's let's look right. at tomorrow what can you be where right. where should you be i'm with you on that so how um you know i'm, I'm curious about the curriculum of business in a box so how did you come up with that, and what, what does it consist of? <laughs> That's a great question. When I figure it out, can I come back? <laughs> uh, so where we started is with an email to the Secretary of State's office, and we knew that we wanted guys to um, own their own business. And that was a big myth. When we started, I said, you can't do that when you're an inmate, right? Mm, I and, I don't, and I don't spend a lot of time talking about it, but I can tell you that we do it. So do they own, like, entities? They own their own business registered with the state of Oregon. Like an LLC? A lot of times it's sole proprietorship to start with, yeah. but it, I do have LLC guys also. So uh, it really all started with a question to the Secretary of State's office, and the next thing I knew, there were three staff in my office asking how they can help, and that began our network skills. So we study accounting. We study finances, we study taxes, we study advertising, we study branding, and we try to have a guest speaker in there, uh, you know, every single month, and a lot of times it's two or three times in a month. That's right. We're going, Dave. Yeah, we are in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah we're going to go see these guys. Can't I'm, wait. I'm can't excited. Wait. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been back inside in years, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that, man. I can't wait to hear your opinion how things have changed. Yeah, I, I love it. I, well, I just hope that... Um, it's it's progressive, and I, I'm I'm assuming it is. But I'm talking to you, that things are progressing in the right way. You know, when I get out of prison, uh, right before I got out, um, you know, I started thinking, maybe it was a couple of years before I got out. I started thinking, wow, I've had I've discovered something amazing. How can other people discover this? Because I know a lot of people would like to and and don't. And, and how do they get there? Um, well, I I started thinking. I don't know if the taxpayers are going to pay for these opportunities, but these, right. yeah, but maybe we can we can not twist arms, but influence people to um, to support programs that like like yours and other programs that help people get ready to have their own epiphanies, to start seeing themselves differently, and eventually uh, have have good products from that. I can tell you from the beginning. Uh, I hadn't been in a prison very long at all as a staff member to see talent. And I remember the first time it was count time, and it was a sit-up count. And I walked Count out, time, count time. Count time, count time. <laughs> Mandatory sit-up count. Get your asses in you. All inmates will be sitting on their bunks. Yeah. Shut your mouth for count. Shut up, punks. So uh, I walked by a guy, did my count, and then I came back because he was sitting up and he was drawn on the top bunk. And I looked at him and I looked at his work and I said, man, with talent like that, why are you here? And he said, I didn't know I could draw like this till I came. And I said, well, that's, that's cool. So let's figure that out. So, uh, you know, and we've come really a long ways. The bosses gave me permission to have five guys in a uh, program to start with. Uh, don't tell the bosses, and I hope they're not listening. No, I, they're listening. I, sent a, I sent them an email. They're listening. Uh, but I got uh, eight businesses. Uh, one more will register Monday, and I've got about three more in the wings. And I've got two advisors uh, also. So our room is getting full. 
Two but, advisors. Uh, what kind of advisors are there? Uh, so they're adults in custody, okay. and one of them came to me with a business plan that I didn't think was a fit. I liked the guy, and I liked his networking skills, but I didn't want his business to be interpreting. Because uh, if I needed an interpreter, that's going to be a work program that I need, right? Okay. So, but because was of, he a, was he a, a Latin American Latin guy? Or, mm-hmm, okay. Yeah, but because of his experience in business on the streets, and he, and he's out soon. Uh, I wanted him to come to the meetings and help us, help okay. help guide us, help direct sure. us. The other advisor stepped off the bus from Coffee Creek just a few weeks ago, and he is a very very smart guy and he has a couple of degrees in business and he's owned his own business up here in Portland and I said hey can you come hang out so he just hit unfenced I don't know if he'll stay or go uh, but either way he's either going to be with us or he'll be able to help start a business in a box program at the next place he lands great yeah I think um, so if this is if this is successful and it sounds like it is um, you know these things why don't these things get picked up and just you know go everywhere right <laughs> I, I, but you have you have reasons right yeah. I, I, you know I'll tell you what I'm uh, I'm gonna push as hard as I can for it to go every place it's mm-hmm. all comes down to space and supervision uh, but this program we built from the ground and so we have all of the notes and it's not my stuff we'll share it with anybody that wants it but it's self-supporting and self-funding and that's a couple of really big keys that's amazing yeah right that's well, the kind of stuff I can really get behind because I, like I said, from the time I started thinking about making a difference, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to talk people into spending money. If they want to spend money, they'll do it because, you know, when they see something they believe in and they'll, right. they'll put the money where their mouth is sort of thing. I've done that myself. And um, I just want, uh, I just believe that it's going to come from passionate people, people compassionate and passionate. And, you know, on that note, Daniel, you were telling us before we came on air that, um, you know, when you first uh, went in there, you, like you said just earlier, that you're supposed to treat everybody the same, you know, make sure you don't have any pets, you know, like you're mm-hmm. saying. But now you guys have uh, a new um, superintendent. <coughs> new, and new director, Colette Peters. New director, and she has kind of... Actually, she's been here seven years, bit. you said. Yeah, I think she's uh, coming up on seven years this time. She was in, in corrections, and she went over to OI, and she came <clears> back. But I heard her talking, you know, in service and different meetings and stuff and emails she sent, and she has she has said the worst thing you can do to a human is treat them all alike. It's interesting. She's actually a people person, huh? She is. <laughs> I love that. And okay. so the best thing you can do is uh, treat them like a human mm. and find out what they need. And in corrections, when you're new, uh, I was taught, say no. Yeah. Right? Because that's the right answer. Which is most of the time. It's just being, uh, you don't want to enable people. There's a lot of, you can make a lot of mistakes if you're nice (laughs) and if you're, if you're reasonable and kind, Uh, people will take advantage of it. But if you're, if you use accountability and you use the principles that I've seen, um, that, that you wrote down as values and, you know, uh, uh, guidelines and things there's quite a few maybe we can get to some of those if absolutely we, um, but if you use that sort of system it's like lad would be a complete uh, you know knucklehead even more than he is if I didn't hold him accountable every day so that's the key I mean I'm nice to lad but I'm you know like unduly nice to lad but I I do I do often have to hold him accountable that's true and uh, you know what? Through the years, um, I've I've learned a lot. You know, when I first got out of prison after doing 20 years, um, I still you know had that 
felony, you know, type attitude and uh, response. Even though he made a lot of improvements in prison. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. he never would have got out. But, you know, it, it carried over um, into the free world. So, and I've learned a lot, you know, working for Dave's Killer Bread and, you know, continuing to work for Dave all these years. It's um, it's a, it's still a work in progress. And I've been out for 10 years now. But, yeah. you know, it's... I do. And we've seen a lot of success stories, so um, it's not like this can't be done, but... Uh, it's, it's hard. Yeah. I tell guys every day, if you want easy, stick around. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. this is easy. If you yeah. want hard and if you want to be uncomfortable, then let's go home with a plan. There you go. I'll right. tell you what. You get out and you have all different pressures. Right. And they're it's, good pressures for yeah. the most part because they're the kinds of pressures that mean you're going somewhere instead of just sitting there. You know, that was what I hated about prison. I wasn't going anywhere until I was fortunate enough to get into the drafting program that they had in, at Snake back in the day. Changed my life. And I, that's why I'm like, I want more of these kinds of things available for people. Things that life-changing opportunities. Cool. Yeah. So we sat uh, in my office, uh, you know, a few years before Business in a Box started with an inmate activity committee. And uh, I recognize an element in criminal activity is selfishness. And I recognize that the public doesn't want prisons in their backyards, right? Because that's where bad people go, and it must be a bad place. So I challenged this group of five fellas sitting in my office to make Salem a better place. And they looked at me and they said, That's great. We can't do that. We're just inmates. And honestly, that's a bullshit answer. That's a great idea. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's kind of a vision statement, a real loose vision statement for everybody. Yeah. It's like, how, how can we accomplish this? That's really how entrepreneurs think. You know, good entrepreneurs, they're thinking about how to make something better. Fill a need. Where, yes. Fill a need. That's all it is. That's right. You know, so, and that, on that note, Dave, again, you know, um, Daniel was telling us about his connection to a previous guest we had, George. Yeah, George yeah. for two. I can't even say his name. Right tell now. us a little bit about that. Yeah, George was uh, uh, definitely one of the fellas, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a, a long-haired hippie-looking dude. And he showed up at uh, he showed up. I don't my, like people like that. Right? It's easy to judge. Right? <laughs> All he, he showed up at my door, and he accused me of shorting him fire crew pay. So yeah. George had returned from a fire, and he thought he was getting this amount of money, and he didn't get that amount of money. Well, who was right? Well, George was. <laughs> so, Doggone it. Yeah, because I'm a human, too, and I make mistakes. Yeah. And I fixed it. And, yes, uh, you did. I said, I said, hey, George, if you know any artists, we're going to start a program here called Business in a Box, and we'd like to talk to them. And he said, I draw. And I said, well, let's take a look. And so George was one of the uh, key, um, uh, what's the word, for the uh, original guys that helped us get the program. In fact, he was my my first uh, business-in-a-box clerk, and he wrote the procedures and, and uh, you know, all the stuff moving forward. So I'm curious. Uh, so the first five guys were artists? A lot of art. Yeah. Yeah. So artists. I had, a, I had a voiceover guy. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and, Ju- and, Justin. And you were able to actually produce voiceovers from prison? So we're still working on the perfect solution, uh, finding a quiet spot in a prison, right, with some supervision in, in the space. Um, mm-hmm. That's a challenge. But I might have a handle on a soundproof booth, and so we may give that a second go. 
But Justin did a ton of work for us, and then he was surprised that the entry-level voiceover is gay romance. <laughs> so he came back to me. Uh, like, I printed the script, and I handed it to him. It was count time. He goes up to his bunk. He's right back right after count with his eyes wide open, and he said, did you read this? And I said, no, and I'm not going to. <laughs> and he said, I can't do it. And, and, I, and I'm like, why? And he's like, it's gay stuff. And I'm yeah. like, so? That, yeah. That's where everybody starts. So, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll keep going with that. That's where me and Lad ended and was talking that shit. Go ahead. <laughs> well, why does it always have to end with me like that? Well, it's your turn. Okay. Well, you know what? we got to take a break here and uh, thank some of our sponsors, CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers... Uh, customers. Customers decide what to pay. You're on a roll. I'm on a roll today. Yeah. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. You can find them at cpadudes.com slash startupradio. Okay, we were on to some good, uh, we got a lot of things to talk about um, with our guest, Daniel, or Dan, uh, Bielenberg. 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 Not the easiest name to pronounce, but not bad. Not too bad. Once you get used to it. Uh, and he talks about the first five folks. We were talking about the first five guys that, uh, fellas, that, um, that, that were part of Business in a Box, which Dan... Who came up with the name Business in a Box? I know it's not, it's been said before, but who who put this all together? Was it you and a couple other guys? I don't really know. No, it just kind of happened. I know it came out of my office. I don't know who said those words first. We were trying yeah. to remember, and I can't, so. But, it, but um, at the time, you were just like, how did you get approval for this thing? Yeah, so um, we wrote a, a pretty lengthy proposal, and, you know, the idea was uh, do it right. Start your business, make your mistakes while rent is cheap, and uh, when you leave, put all your stuff in a box and hit the road, and you can keep doing it. Make your we, mistakes while rent is cheap. I love that. Right? Fail often, fail early, fail yeah. forward, fail cheap. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Because everybody makes that mistake, and that's cool. Learn to embrace the failures. Learn to embrace. Yeah. And, and i tell you what, it is so cool. You know, you may think that it sucks starting over, but there are a lot of advantages to starting over. Um, Dave's Killer Bread. You know, I got out of prison. I My mom gave me a place in her garage. The best place I've lived in all my life almost. Right. <laughs> you know? And uh, I went to work for 12 bucks an hour. It was my family business. And um, I didn't have all of the kinds of, you know, ties and um, distractions that a normal person has. Like I have now. I mean... I still do a lot of stuff, but, um, you know, not having all of the you know, responsibilities that I eventually had would um, made it a lot, made it possible for Dave's Killer Bread to, to happen. Yeah. And so that's something for people to remember. Yeah. So, um, you know, rent was cheap and not everyone is a businessman. Everybody wants to be the man. Everybody wants to wear the gold chain and drive the Cadillac. Instant but, gratification, baby. But that don't always work out. And no. so let's learn it now. Right. And move forward and go home. Right. Do good things. You can tell uh, when somebody um, when you hire somebody on the streets. And this is a this is a really good lesson for an employer and a potential employee. Get your act together. Um you know, if you're if you're looking to turn your life around from prison, 
and I know this is part of your program, you prepare yourself to for that interview. You prepare yourself for the, after that interview, and uh, you know, whether it's interview for somebody else or you maybe you're lucky enough to figure out a, a way to start your own business but most people have to go to work for somebody first and and you need to realize people need to realize that um so preparing means like as right now get into programs right now get into something that's going to make a difference in your life stop screwing around you know stop doing the things you've always done that have landed you where you're at um that's what I did. I think that's what Lad did. That's what other people do. And then when you get out, an employer looks at, okay, what have you been doing the last three or four years while you're incarcerated? Not just since you got out. Not, you didn't do all this and then just get out and say, oh, now I want a job. Um, nobody wants to hire somebody that's a knucklehead. Right. And I, I like to see, you know, when it comes to employing people, you want success stories. Right. And that's what I ask guys before, you know, when they're trying to come into business in a box, what have you been doing to get yourself better? Yeah. So these guys, you know, they, they leave your program. Is Do they actually graduate from your program? Is it just ongoing? And if they do graduate, when they get out to start what Dave just talked about, you know, some references to jobs or whatever, are you able to give that to them? Yes. And uh, so to answer your question about graduation, we have, we're still getting better. And we have just contacted Defy. I know you work with Defy Ventures. Excited so, about Defy. So check this out. I just toured Pelican Bay, and oh, yeah. I just had my feet on the line about two weeks ago with our superintendent, ah, Hendricks. Yes, I just listened to that. Yep. And I, uh, you know, I came home and I made a decision. Uh, there is no more complaining uh, from my friends or from my coworkers or from the inmates at San Diego Correctional Institution because guess what? It could be a whole lot worse. Yeah, baby. Yes. Uh, that place is for real. Yes. So I just, this morning, I sent an email to Defy and asked them about the curriculum and see what we can get because we would like to have a beginning and a middle and an end, you know, to our program. So far, our program has been come on in, start your business, learn what you can. When you go home, put it in a box. We know that that won't be a living wage, but we know that you're doing the right things and you're going forward. I, I, I love that you are um, not trying to reinvent the wheel. Right. You know, it's, it's all about, hey, what have people done that's good? I mean, I'll tell you what, Kat Hoke, Catherine Hoke, I, I've met her one time. I've talked to her for a while. I wasn't ready, just I wasn't ready to, to really deal with it at that time, but she blew me away recently when I, I listened to a um, an interview with her. She's a very compassionate mm-hmm. and passionate and really go-getter of a person. A smart, a, smart a as hell. Great book, A Second Chance. We've got three or four copies floating around, and we loan that out to anybody that'll come down and read it. That's great. Uh, so she'll be on, on the show at some point, and I'm excited about that. But uh, I think that's interesting. When you go to California, I've been in San Quentin not doing time, but I've been there, what, three times visiting this years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different levels of security there. Mm-hmm. And there's some really, really bad people there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's people doing a lot of time, and they have this program called The Last Mile. Before that, what is, I, don't, I can't remember the basic program, which is a college education, which I think is pretty amazing but i don't think college education um alone is necessarily the greatest thing i think that people have to have some sort of practical sort of street smart knowledge 
Yeah, so we have we have all that at San Am. We have CAD, we have college, we have oh, GED. Have CAD? We do. We have CAD, we have college, we have GED. Tucker, wow. told, t- Tucker told me to say his name, so Tucker, Tucker, Tucker. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, San Am used to be a place where dudes, in fact, when Lad was there, right, in 08, dudes were fighting to leave. Right, yeah. and they were increasing their status at the next place uh, because it sucked. Right, and it's not that way now. Gladiator school. G- guys are uh, guys are wanting to be there. Guys are wanting programs. Guys are wanting to change. And I want to challenge the guys there uh, to make that a place of healing. You know, the the fellas they're way more powerful than I am. They're there all the time. They're there mm-hmm. seven days a week, twenty four seven. And so to make that a place of healing, that is the challenge. And, and make it a, a good place. So what what are the prerequisites to get in? You have to have a certain amount of good time and you, then a GED and, you know, all that stuff just to get in the program? Yeah. Uh, so for my program for Business in a Box, I want a year of clear conduct. And if you screw up while you're there, uh, it doesn't matter if it's in that room or not, you're going to get out for a year and then come back and try it again. What, um, what, what constitutes a screw-up? I mean, lad just <laughs> constitutes a screw-up just walking in the room. So. I, I started over this morning. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, if you transfer to a more secure facility, you're not in the program, obviously. And if you're caught with tobacco or breaking the rules, you're, um, you know, you're not going to be in the program. So the rules in the room are you don't get to act like an inmate. If you want to act like an inmate, you can go someplace else. So the second rule in the room is don't embarrass the director and don't embarrass the superintendent. Ms. Hendricks doesn't need to be embarrassed, and the director doesn't need to be embarrassed. So this is a program built by the fellas for the fellas, and in order to keep it strong, it has to be clean. That's just how it is. That makes a ton of sense. Um, When they start realizing that they are the business of of corrections officers all the way up to uh, directors... um, when, they, when you start realizing that you start hate, stop hating on those of the system right and you start understanding that okay maybe these guys maybe you can you know maybe you got to work with them to uh, change the system to make a better system how much how much more can we do when we're working together instead of when we're working against each other I think I used to see some hate races let's get to the hate line I'm gonna beat you to the hate line I hated first no I hated more you know well <laughs> right. let's, let's get past all that let's work together and let's go further I'm telling you it's very true yeah you know um, I'd like to go back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier Daniel uh, um, you know you were talking about um, our previous guest uh, that you had a connection with, but you know if this if this program gets a chance to go into the institutions, and um, any inmates are out there that can handle your challenge to make Salem area or you know better where, or wherever they're at, tell us a little bit about how that came about where he was able to to raise some money for a particular thing that he was interested in. Uh, so, uh, you, you, I gotta, you gotta ask me that one more time. Cause we raise, we raise money for a lot of different groups, but a specific person. Yeah. Our previous guest, George, Skr- George, Skirtru. Yeah. He came to you oh, yeah. and you guys had a personal conversation, which ended up a little more dramatic than, uh, you know, initially thought. And so you guys had a heartfelt conversation and he took off from there because of your advice. So, you know, I'm giving you kudos here, man, because, I mean, <laughs> how many times when I was in there did an officer or, you know, staff or whatever they try to encourage to me, you know, try to encourage me in something, yeah. you know, but here you are, and it, this is quite something. I, I'm yeah, impressed. Yeah, so it, it, it's a sensitive subject, and, uh, you know, you don't ever know somebody's story. 
But uh, George and I were having a conversation about suicide. And we did some research on the internet with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and we played a little video, and, and George actually had a breakdown in my office, and he said, when I get out, I want to help those guys. That's a great group, and I want to help reduce suicide. And I said, why would you wait? See, and there it is right there. What? Why would you wait? What? That's the encourage. Isn't that the encouragement we need right at that moment? Yep. I mean... Now, don't make fun of the goosebumps on my arm because yeah. I get goosebumps every time I tell this story. But if you Google, uh, if you YouTube, or go to the YouTube channel and uh, search on their site, Sandy M. Correctional Institution, you'll see a four-minute video that was released. Sandy M. Correctional Institution. Yeah, a four-minute video was released from uh, the first ever suicide awareness walk inside of a correctional facility in the United States. That's and, amazing. Uh, and I'm working with, I'm working with AFSP, and I go, now, this is way too simple. This is not the first one. And they go, no, it really is. Wow. So AFSP has a, a goal, uh, 2025, of reducing suicide by 20%. And one of their four focal areas is the incarcerated. And so they were looking for us when we found them. And we work with them every day. And we raise thousands of dollars for them. And we do a suicide wow. awareness walk in the facility. The last one we had was just a few weeks ago, and their bosses came from San Francisco, and their bosses came from New York City, and we raised, check this out, seven bucks a bed. We have 480 beds at the institution. Where did the money come from? Well, uh, so we do, we tap that competitive human nature, right? Mm. And we created two teams. So there are the adults in custody raising money for that team, and there are the staff raising money for that team. Uh. And of the two groups, who do you think raised the most money? Well, the inmates. the inmates probably put a lot more effort into it, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> they uh, consistently kick our ass every time. Is that right? And and I'll take the beat down. I don't care. Yeah. So, so you guys are all out there walking together. We are. Yeah, we're walking See, it, together. That, okay, that is stuff. That's crazy. You know, I'll, just, sh I'll show you the video. We're walking together. We're talking together. We're sharing stories, and we're making a difference. And this year, our superintendent, Miss Hendricks, allowed families to come, and so staff families came this year. Next year, it's we got to walk with the. Next year, it sounds like the inmate families are coming with the staff families, and we're going to build something that is crazy good and crazy incredible. On my way home last night, I got a call from California, and the AFSP down there, they want to do a walk in a prison in California, and I said, I will come. I it, love it. it makes a big difference. I will come, because we're wow. touching lives, awesome. and we're changing things from this little bitty prison in Salem. I'm trying to think uh, back to my days uh, of being very suicidal. That was a big part of my, of, of what? eventually led to my turnaround um you know i would if i'd had a gun uh or even a great big shot of heroin i think i would have taken myself out and then a lot of things would not have not a lot of things wouldn't have happened that happened and uh i you know it, it makes there's a lot of philosophical things around this but i uh i remember seeing a guy um, cut himself up. I didn't watch him cut himself up, but it was on my tear. Mm -hmm. And they they carried him out on a stretcher covered in blood and all this stuff, but he didn't die. You know, those little big razors don't do that great a job. Right. <laughs> and, uh, that was what made me go, oh, no, that's what I would do. I'd fuck up a suicide. <laughs> so I, I was like, okay, that kind of bought me a little time. And, uh, you know, so I, I really feel for suicide. My little brother took his own life uh, Sorry, a few years back. And so I understand the f how it feels, and I, mm -hmm. and, I, and I understand the need for 
you know, for solutions. I don't, I don't understand what the solutions are exactly. Uh, but certainly the walk, even just getting involved in that walk might change someone's life. You know, it, it is magic. It is pure magic. And for a few hours, these guys are not in prison. I can promise you that. Mm -hmm. uh, these guys are behaving normal, and they're acting normal, and they're helping the community get better. And so our prison is one of the teams in the Salem Walk that will be you know, going on in September, and, and we've already written AFSP a check. Right on. That is really freaking cool. Yeah. I love that. Today's episode of Felony Inc. Podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize offers your company a dedicated account management to develop your insight into the world of PR and communication strategy while providing all the support you need. Also, Felony Inc. and yours truly are supporters of MC Thrift Store and Outreach in Oregon City, Oregon. Shout out to Chelsea, whose mission is to be a vessel to reach people suffering from addiction, to encourage people to make positive changes, restore the lives of those we send to recovery that they'll conquer addiction, grow in wisdom, be healed of their past hurts, mend past relationships, and become a healthy, productive part of our community and reconnect with friends, family, and community so they can live free from substance abuse. And that is from the website. Uh, they have an upcoming fundraiser August 4th at the East Portland Eagles Lounge with music from Trent Beaver and, yep, us, the Killer Granddaddies. And there will be a lot more going on, too. Visit mseedoutreach.com for tickets and info. Now, you'll never, ever be able to say anything bad about my announcement. Well, just for that, you know, just for that, you got to buy your own, got to buy a ticket. I'm not letting you in with that. All right, okay. I'm buying. Back to back to our our fun interview here. Where were we? Well, um, I, I was getting a kick out of you know him talking about George and yeah. his story, and and so uh, you know I'd like I'd like to know. Um, you know, I always love the personal side of of the inmates and whatever, but I'm sure that you've seen it over and over again with your program that um, these guys get out and become successful. And you got any good stories about that? Yeah, I do. And thank you for asking because that is uh, that is really where it's at: is guys going home and doing good things and not coming back. Right? That's what mm -hmm. that's what matters. So on the on the wall in our uh, classroom, our work skills center, uh, we've written. Uh, kind of the short version of the mission statement. So holding guys accountable, public safety, and one trip home is, is what's written there. And one then we, we've also written uh, hope, joy, and peace. And uh, I'll tell you a quick story about that. And then we got a shout out to a few of the, of the fellas. But uh, twice a year I dress up in that prison. Uh, Easter, I'm the big, tall bunny. And, uh, I, I go around. Sometimes I scare a few fellas, but uh, for the family events, you know, uh, we give them treats and presents and try to have a few few hours of normal. And Christmas last year, I was dressed up as Santa Claus. Little boy sat on my lap, and I said, "What do you want for Christmas?" And he said, "Can you bring my dad joy?" Hmm. And I said, That's "You fair, know, fair question." I said, "You know what? I know how to do that, and I'm going to do it tomorrow." And I wrote the word joy up in our classroom, so anybody can come in there and read that any any day of the week. There and, you go. And that is uh, that is super cool. 
Um, our two advisors for Business in a Box are Carlos and Anthony. Uh, Carlos is going home here in a few days, and uh, and Anthony is the new arrival that I mentioned from uh, Coffee Creek. So, and then um, one of our best success stories is Trevor. He uh, just turned 22. He's going home in a in a few days. And when he stepped into the program, he he couldn't uh, formulate a sentence in front of a group of people. Mm. And now we uh, we sell products in visiting uh, every week, and we have a store day once a month. And Trevor's the first guy to talk to people and just make those connections. And he sells artwork. Mm. Uh, he has zombified me for twenty bucks. He'll zombify you guys. He'll zombify he'll zombify my boss if I pay him for a Christmas oh, present. That's pretty cool. So I'm, I'm yeah. down. I'm down. Can yeah. I give? Can I just give the twenty bucks to you? Oh <laughs> wait, you'll probably spend that on the way home. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Robin does some jewelry. Um, so one of the th- one of the ways that I know that I have a successful program is I got a fellow that just came from a medium facility for the program. His name is Bob, and he uh, he left a top pan OCE job, a clerk job, and he left a cell. In Oregon on, Corrections Enterprises, Enterprises and, he, and he left to sell at OSCI, Oregon State Correctional Institution. He left to sell there. He has a couple years left, and he wanted his routine. He's done about 30, uh, sorry, 27 and a half years on a 30-year day-for-day sentence, and he wants his routine to be different and uncomfortable. So he came to a dorm setting. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be in business in a box. He was in the hobby shop. One of the agreements I have with downtown is if a guy has minimum custody arriving at San Diego from any of our hobby shops, they're in. Still have to do the business plan. Still have to do the shark tank, right? We we interview in front of the group of the guys. So, uh, but Bob came to us from a med- you know a secure environment, a medium security facility for the program. How much time's he got left? He's got just over two years. Okay. So, and he's he's doing good. So, if an inmate's at another institution besides San Diego where you work, how do they find out about your program? How do they get into it? And and is it pretty easy for them to get transferred over there? They so they work with their counselor, go minimum custody, and and then here they come. Yep. And they find out about it through word of mouth. I don't really know how all that works. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, good guys are thinking, I mean, the guys that are on, on trying to get on a good path. I remember um, the first few years of my last prison sentence were pretty desolate. And I couldn't, I remember I was on the list. I had, I had the good um, fortune. Uh, made a good choice to get on the list for CAD CAM, computer-aided drafting and machining at Snake River, and the time came to get into it. I still didn't know what the fuck it was, um, but I was like, I'm desperate at that point, and uh, a few things happened, and the rest is history. So um, I don't know how it works with business in a box. It's not like that, right? It's different than you get on a list, waiting list, or... How's it work? Yeah, so I put them through the paces and make sure they're serious. I might start with, uh, why don't you come see me tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock in the morning? Because I'm a, I'm an early bird, and I like getting there. I was at work at 5.05 this morning. And you, you know, should I, be willing to do that. You're right. And get up, and can you be at a certain place at a certain time? And, mm-hmm. and what have you done to better yourself, and where are you headed? How much time do you have left? What have you? How much time have you done? I spent the first uh, 12 years of my career really staying away from the long-term uh, inmates because I feared them. I, I was afraid that they were smarter than me. Mm. 
And uh, my two clerks now, Robin, has done... Except they're not very smart if they're in prison, right? I mean, uh, check it check it out. Robin has done 20 years. He's one of my clerks, and he has a couple of college degrees, and he is one of the smarter people I've ever met in my life. And then Bob just came over from OSCI. He's my business in a box clerk. He's done uh, 26 and a half years on a 30-year set, and he's got a lot of experience. And those guys, in fact, are smarter than I am. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of smart and, people in there. And I, you know, we find each other and we listen to each other. We bounce ideas off of each other. So yeah. I got, you ready for the best story? Sure. Yeah. So I, I got a shout out to the, the youngsters. Jorge is uh, going to do a teddy bear business. And the guys will be able to record uh, custom voice and put the recording inside the bear. All right. One of the one of the things you guys know this because you did time. One of the things that guys don't get to do is go shopping, right? And, and they, they don't things like Angel Tree and stuff. They still got that. They still got Angel Tree, but the guys don't shop. Yeah. So the guys wrap the present and it goes to their family. But in business in a box, the guys come into the store and they shop, and the guys pick out a present for a loved one or a family member. And that box goes down in visiting, and at the end of the visit, the guy gets to get the present, the necklace or the earrings or the paracord bracelet or the teddy bear with a custom recording, and they can give it to their family, their loved ones, their child, their wife, their husband, whatever it is. I bet you that's real popular, the teddy bear with the recording. Well, that's... he's just getting started. Oh, okay. So that that is, I can't wait for that. And then uh, Dylan and Jonathan are new. Uh, uh, Dylan does uh, wood burning, and Jonathan does some jewelry. Uh, William Tyndale is, uh, he's an ex-gang guy, you know, so he does uh, some amazing airbrush work, and he's doing airbrush motorcycle work right now uh, in the facility, so that is cool. But my favorite story is Adam, and Adam came to me when Business in a Box was new, and he said, Mr. B, I want to do leather work, and I said, all right, have you ever, ever done that before? And he said, nope. And <laughs> I said, Sweet. So Adam started in and registered his business and got some tools and some supplies and his first wallet. Uh, it didn't look all that good. Mm. And I said, dude, you got a lot of work to do. Yeah. So he continued. Constructive criticism. Right. He continued. And uh, a lady found me from West Virginia on the Internet. And mm. her husband passed away. And she was trying to sell her tools. She had a few thousand dollars worth of tools. Mm. Adam uh, barely had 40 bucks to get his business started, right? And it's 50 bucks to get it registered. And he began making uh, things and selling them and making money and investing that in himself. And this lady named Lynn uh, began to email me, and I would include Adam, you know, in these emails, and we began to negotiate, and it didn't look like anything was going to work out at all. Uh, a few months went by, and Lynn recontacted us again, and she was willing to package these tools, supplies, and books up into different, like, 12 different packages. And Adam entered into an agreement with her to buy one package a month and be done in 12 months. Adam's 42 years old. He's never finished anything he's ever started in his life. And he feels bad for being a burden on society, and he feels that the correctional system is broken, and he feels worthless. And he came to business in a box, and he started a business. And a year later, he has completed his agreement with her, and that's his first completion. And he's bought all of her husband's tools, and they continue to do beautiful leather work through the hands of this guy. He's finished CAD. He is up for a, a college scholarship upon release, and he is a very smart individual, and he's, you know, he's changing for the better right in front of us. I hope I get to meet this guy. And uh, the rest of them. I think you will. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, 
Wow, it's it's just I didn't even know they had CAD anymore. How do you get into the CAD program? So that is, you know, that's through education in. Um, and that's in a different building, but I know all across the state, guys are selected. I call them the one percenters because we have enough seats for about 1%. Mm. And I don't know where the funding comes from the program, but I know it's a, val- a valuable program. It's interesting to see a lot of times it's the same guy in all of these programs getting better. Well, back when, uh, as I recall, I was 2001-ish, 2002, three. I was a snake. There was a CAD program. They took it away basically uh, right after I graduated. And um, so I remember that in the Valley, you could go and get into the mapping program. Mm-hmm. Now, is mm-hmm. that what it still is, or is there more to it than that? Uh, it's more more to it than that. The mapping program, I think, has gone away also. Like all programs, they cost money. Programs yeah. come, programs go. Right. Well, that one was probably paying for itself, I'm guessing. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, just curious. Um, but... Let's move on to the business in the box. Well, you know, I, I was going to ask Daniel if uh, if I sent you one of these voiceovers that they're doing for Dave, which are kind of funny, if you could put one of those in the teddy bear. Uh, is that are we are we Christmas shopping? When's your birthday? <laughs> you got a birthday coming up? Uh, no, January. <laughs> um, well, no. Lad's Christmas shopping for you. It's that's that's kind of cute. It's a pretty cool idea. And Lad's just going to have to, if you if your Lad's going to do it, make sure you charge him double. 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 Yeah, he's, he's used to paying double for everything. Can can people from, you know, from outside of the prison uh, order those type of things? So right now we're institution-based sales. And, uh, you know, I got to go downtown and help write the policy for Leap and, and Business in a Box. And we have chosen uh, to not sell on the Internet due to some commerce rules that, that do apply to uh, correctional facilities and products made by an inmate. So we're doing institution-based sales to visitors, volunteers, contractors, staff, and this is the other one that's kind of interesting. We do uh, um, inmate-to-inmate sales. So that is something that we had to work really hard with trust to be able to move money around and avoid the extortion that, that is the reason that that trust rule was written. So, um, you know, there are obstacles in life and there are obstacles in prison and there are obstacles in front of us every day. And we always find a way to make that stuff happen. So when you guys come down to visit, we'll be sure to let you do some shopping. Cool. So next time you go to prison, lad, you can have your own teddy bear with uh, with my voice. That does not seem th- soothing at all. <laughs> wake up in the middle of the night in cold sweats. Oh, yeah. So, hey, there's so much going on here. Um, I, I get super excited to be a part of and to know about um, initiatives that are making a difference in our um in the prison system, a lot of times people think that, okay, you go to prison, you get out, you got to get a job. <laughs> well, when you go to prison, there's a lot more just going to prison. You have That's an opportunity. and It can be. And this is an opportunity that you guys are providing. And um, I commend you and I applaud you for that. I love it. It's uh, it's good work, and I uh, it fills my heart. Every single day I go home with a full heart. I just went on vacation. I was gone a week and a half to see some family back on the East Coast, and I came back on a Thursday after the 4th of July because mm-hmm. Business in a Box meets at 7 in the morning. Yeah. And you know what I told those guys is they fill my heart, and it's true. They really do. They fill my heart. Those guys are doing good things. They're in an awful place. They're making the best of it. They're changing the world. They're changing the community, and they're changing that place. And uh, and I just applaud them for it. So, 
So how many guys have gone through your program? 20. 20, and how long has it been? Uh, just over two years. And I, and I do track our recidivism rate. So far, it's zero. Really? Yeah. Oh, and, cool. and people say, well, you cherry pick and put the best guys in it. Well, yeah. If, uh, who wouldn't? I think you should. Who, who wouldn't? But I do, if there's an empty seat and if there's funding, come on down. Anybody who says that that's cherry picking is just, you know, being negative and being uh, uh, cynical. Because, look, that's what you do. You you pick the people who are ready to change. Why? why I'm not going to pick a guy who's going to blow the program up. Yeah, it's going to blow the program up. It's gonna, yeah, it's going to cut. He's going to cut the success rate, and it's a waste. Why? Why deal with somebody who's not putting forth the effort yeah. to make a change? I asked so, my clerk one day about six months ago. I said, "How come there's no jackasses that walk in here?" And he said, "We don't let them." Yeah. Right. But so, <laughs> so you interact with the inmates in the rest of the institution during your day, right? My door's always open. So, have you come across, uh, you know, somebody that you've kind of, you know, seen how they're doing in there, and then actually offered to have them come in? I have, yeah. And his name's Bear, and he's out in a few days, and he is a long-term guy. He uh, he is the guy that when he was out and on supervision, he had a business card printed with his name on the front of it and the words "fuck you" on the back. <laughs> And any time a PO or anybody else told him to go do something and he didn't want to go do it, he whipped out the business card and handed it to him. Mm. And I started mentoring him about six months ago. He has, uh, you know, he has not been treated well his whole life. And he began to act like he was treated. And then he was treated like he act. And it was a downward circle. And he came to me for a job a while ago and he wasn't selected, but he didn't give up and he kept coming back. And so about six months ago, we started... Formally, we started a mentoring program, and he has, uh, he has, I think, a uh, 20-some page release plan that has an A plan and a B plan and a C plan, mm -hmm. and when you come down uh, in a couple weeks, you're, we've already put the order in through the kitchen, you're going to taste some cinnamon rolls that he makes. Oh, man. Save some room. Looking forward I'm all to about it. cinnamon rolls. And, and he's going to get out. He's going to own a food cart. And he knows that that's probably two to five years away. He knows yeah. he's going to have to go to work being a roofer or, uh, you know, a flagger or, mm -hmm. you know, go to work at Dave's Killer Bread. It doesn't yeah. matter. He's going to go to work and earn money and save money. He's going to pay his restitution and pay his fines. And he is gonna, he's going to be ready to go. It's not going to be all, you know, easy street out there. Yeah. Guaranteed, yeah. and uh, the worst part is going to be. I mean, the obvious things are housing and employment. So, um, and friends, I, yes, and friends, support in general, support, family, friends, all very important stuff. Um, and so we're we're just another um, business and is it, business in a box is just another uh, great initiative that is making a difference in the world and I again commend you uh, Dan Bielenberg that's a hard one for you me. got it yeah. you know Dan I, you know I, talking to you um, I can see your passion I can see how much you put into this that. so thank you so much for doing this for those guys you know I I, 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 I probably could have took advantage of something like that in there but back when I was in there they didn't really and so what a difference thank you uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks again. Um, so, hey, guess who's next week? Well, we got a, a nice guest. Can you even pronounce that? Mike Pizzicata. Mike Pizzicata. I think that's it. Who runs a business called Marketing Your Purpose. So he must be an ex-felon who's got a business, and we're going to talk to this guy next week. 
Join us this and every week, live at 10 a.m. Pacific Time at StartupRadioNetwork.com. If you don't join us live, we may visit your house late at night when you're least expecting it and make you listen. Breaking and entering, lad's ass. This will be full on breaking and listening. Ouch. All right, so coming up after the break is Latino Founder Hour with your host, Edgar Navis and Claudia Cardenas. Their podcast is usually in Spanish, so I'm going to try to attempt to say this, Dave. Don't hold me to it. So, ¿qué pasa con mis hermanos y hermanos? No, y, y, y. Hermanos y hermanos. ¿Qué pasa con mis hermanos y hermanos? Hermanos. Thank you. I didn't get it right either, but we tried. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program. 